Welcome to Joe Howarth's Happiness Hacks podcast. If you'd like to find out more about Joe's work, head over to thehappinessclub.co.uk and consider becoming a member. Sometimes on this journey, it's good to be part of a bigger, friendly group and you get daily strategies and access to trained coaches and mental health professionals. Hello, I'm Joe Howarth from The Happiness Club and welcome to another of my World of Happiness interviews Today, I have a proper treat for you because I have the man who introduced me to mindfulness. He's responsible for it all, bless him. Um, He's unbelievably amazing and I can't wait to include him in this group of interviews. Vishvapani, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Pleasure, Joe. So the first question, obviously, what do you do? Well, I teach mindfulness. Um, that's my main professional activity. I teach courses for the general public. I teach the standard eight-week course, which is now very well known and a lot of people do. Um, I also go into organisations and I particularly go into prisons and work in that sort of environment, um, which is different and challenging. And we could spend 15 minutes talking about that. But for one thing, it means that if I find myself in in front of a group of guys who are in prison, I have had to think quite uh, hard about how I can get things across to people in ways that really speak to them. That must be, because part of what I've done with what you taught me is, is start going into schools and teaching kids and I, I like working with the small like four-year-olds five-year-olds best there's just two mm. words but and and it's the most rewarding part of what I do but it's so challenging it's like really when I spend a day in a school I'm absolutely exhausted when I come out because I'm not a teacher and I've got 35 kids in a room um so that must be hugely challenging into a prison and how many people do you have in a room there do you work one on one 15 but um often smaller groups smaller groups are easier yeah just because people are complicated (laughs) and dynamics are complicated and the whole situation is complicated and people are from very difficult states of mind and very difficult situations and a lot of suffering but yeah but you must is it i mean i'm i'm assuming because you you keep doing it um it's a similar thing to my school thing is that it must be incredibly rewarding when if you get through to someone yes it is rewarding yeah yeah i should also say that my background is as a buddhist and uh it's possible that anyone who listens to radio four would have heard me if they listened to thought for the day in the morning so i've been doing that for quite a long time i'm going to start listening to radio four now do you do it every week no 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 it's um something like 10 times a year brilliant awesome make sure you tell me next time you're wrong because i'm gonna Mm -hmm. okay so why why do you do what you do why why because did you start with the buddhism thing i'm not sure if you're allowed to say buddhism thing did you start with the Buddhism thing and sort of segue into mindfulness? I mean, I know it's part and parcel, yeah, but... Absolutely. I've been a Buddhist for a lot longer than I've been a mindfulness teacher. And in fact, you know, a lot of people who are teaching mindfulness are, are people like me who've been 
doing this stuff in our own setting and for our own benefit and the benefit of other people who are interested in Buddhism. And then over the last decade or something, there's been growing interest in society at large in how this can help ordinary people without any reference to Buddhism. And I do it because uh, that, well, for one thing, I think those kind of the basic principles and approaches that are there in a tradition like Buddhism can be very, very helpful. And they're more helpful or more accessible to people if you strip away the labels. Um, and I see that. I've seen that over the years. I've seen people change, gain insight into themselves. Um, and I, th I think maybe the heart of it is that we all have minds. We all have minds and we don't really understand them. And we don't, we don't know how to cultivate or develop our minds, how to work with our minds in ways that are helpful. And the result is that we're at the mercy of all sorts of forces in our experience, which often can lead us into very difficult states. Definitely. And I think you said before about working with, or you know, bringing the concepts of Buddhism to ordinary people um, through mindfulness. I think for one, for me, one of the reasons I I was so fascinated by it when we first met was because I couldn't work out for the life of me how something so simple was having such an enormous impact. Because, uh, like you say, people were talking about it, and there was a growing interest in it. And I couldn't work it out for the life of me. It baffled me totally how something that sounded so simple was going to have any effect whatsoever. And then it just completely blew me away, blew the top of my head off, the, the impact on me personally, working yeah. with you. Yeah. Just, it transformed, like you say, the way I thought about everything and the way I saw everything. I felt like someone had found a second pair of eyelids and sort of gone, do there you go, that's the world, actually. That's what it looks like. It was amazing for me, personally. Um, so that must, be, that must be awesome to see, because if you do that day in, day out, see that impact on people. I do, and not everyone responds in the same way, and mindfulness isn't a panacea. But what I do think is, what I just said before, we all have a mind. Yeah. And... There are actually quite simple things that we can do to shift our mental patterns, shift our ways of thinking and perceiving. It's not, in a way, rocket science any more than, you know, we've all got bodies and we can keep our bodies fit and healthy by looking after our nutrition and taking exercise. And that's not complicated, really. Um, but, if you, but there's a huge difference in terms of whether you do it or don't do it. It's a difference between fitness and, and ill health. So, you know, that, that is, I think, I think what we're engaging with, with mindfulness is quite fundamental because our minds are fundamental. And you can do that. You can cultivate your mind in lots of different ways. You can do it, you know, some people will make a kind of practice of listening to music or enjoying nature. And if there's an element of self-reflection that goes along with that, then those become 
in a way, transformative practices for cultivating a better state of mind. And people have always done that. They've always known about it. Um, and mindfulness is a particular way that seems to be very accessible. And, um, but there's this broader attitude. And my own view is that the, the reason that it's become popular now is that actually we've forgotten how to do some of those basic things. You know, if we have a quiet moment, we have a million different things thanks to Steve Jobs and his friends <laughs> that can fill that moment. And, and that's what we do. It's just easy. It's kind of stimulating and fun. But then we, we leave out all of the things that can happen in the spaces between texts. And I think, though, I think there's an element of fear of the spaces, isn't there? People are scared of being still. Of, of what well, they might think or feel if they just sit still for a minute. We're, we're scared of what's unfamiliar to us. Yeah. So if we have a habit of never leaving a space, then it will start to feel scary. But it's not necessarily um, that there's something actually scary that will happen when we enter that space. No, we just think there will be or we think there might be. So we yes. have it, don't we? Yeah, it's a fear. It's an irrational fear. Yeah. Totally. But I think, I think probably all of the people on your podcast will be saying that um, if we want to make a change in any way in our lives, we need to do th some of the things that are a little bit unfamiliar. It almost goes without saying, doesn't it? And, so, and some of those unfamiliar things might feel uncomfortable. So therefore... If you want to cultivate things like happiness, you need to be willing to do things that are a little bit uncomfortable, at least to begin with. At least, because that's how you grow, isn't it? That's how you expand as a being. There is no other way. Yeah. There is no other way. Yeah, totally. Cool. Okay, so what gives you the biggest buzz in your work? but also in your life, what gives you, and it might be the same thing, but what gives you the biggest buzz? Um, well, buzz. <laughs> um, I don't particularly look for a buzz, actually. <laughs> okay. um, but I do, I mean, I do find it very, very gratifying when I see people who are suffering start to make a shift and, and not be suffering so much more. I, I get excited when people start to talk about having a new perspective and, and all of the things that that means. Um, and, you know, I think that we've all got a lot more potential than we've realised in our lives. I mean, I feel this very strongly when I go to prisons. And it has to be a sort of act of faith because in some cases there's not a lot of grounds for confidence, you know, given the, the, the mistakes that people have made. Mm. But an act of faith that we have the capacity to, be, to flourish and to, to understand ourselves much more deeply um, and all the satisfaction that comes from that understanding. So I, that's what gives me a buzz in my work. 
in my life, I get a buzz from um, reading stories for my son at night <laughs> and uh, wrestling him, except he's getting a bit big for that now. <laughs> How old is he now? No, actually, he's not too big. He's eight. Yeah. No, we do a lot of wrestling. But yeah, lots of other things. Brilliant. And this sounds a bit obvious, but I think a lot of this stuff is. Like you said, it's not rocket science, most of it, is it? Um, do you think the mindfulness contributes to your... Because I'm the same. I get Personally, I get the biggest buzz out of spending time, literally lying on the sofa cuddling my two girls. That's my. That's utterly my buzz, and it's the simplest thing ever to do. Um, but that would be my my personal answer to that question. But, you know, and it's utterly different to the answer for my work. Um, but I put a lot of that. I credit mindfulness, having learnt mindfulness from you, with understanding that the importance of that simplicity. That makes sense, what I just said. <laughs> um, yes, it does make sense. So, so I guess I'm trying to ask you, is that, do you, do you think that's where you, you've got that from your Buddhist teachings from practising mindfulness for so long? Yes, now I'm not holding myself up as any kind of paragon, but I do, I do take pleasure in simple things, and mm. I try to take pleasure in those things. I think, uh, you know, I, I live a busy life, and I feel, I think, a lot of the pressures that we all feel. It's partly the sense that there's a million things I could be doing in this moment, and there's a million experiences I could be having in this moment, and uh, all those people I could be communicating with right now. And so it's quite hard not to feel that I'm missing out on something by doing this. But we only ever have this, this moment, you know, this experience, whatever it is. And that experience might be pleasant, it might not be pleasant. But the idea of missing out goes along with other ideas like uh, comparing ourselves with other people and thinking, which is another version of it, because we think they've got more than me, therefore I'm missing out. Um, that sense of lack, I think, goes quite deep in our culture. And, you know, we need to, 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 to recognize it and not be driven by it. It will not lead us to happiness. No, and I think that's... Um, when you were talking before about how you choose... It's a choice, isn't it? How you choose to spend that moment. And when you understand that that's a choice that you've made and you're doing something as simple as reading a bedtime story or cuddling your child... Yes. You The... I'm going to use the word buzz again, sorry, but the buzz that I get from knowing that that's the choice I've made. I've made the choice to do this and it's gorgeous. And that is huge for me. I think that's one of the, the biggest benefits that mindfulness has given me personally is the understanding that this is how I'm choosing to spend my time. Yes, that's, that's really interesting way of putting it. The... the um... It's lovely to hear, Joe. The, the, 
um, that question of choice, I think, is really important with mindfulness because mm. in all, we always have choices. You know, we are always making choices about what we do and how we respond to the things that happen to us. Yeah. But we don't always feel that we're making choices. And that's something to do with awareness. You know, you need to be able to step back and think, um, let's give a crude example. You know, there's a, uh, I don't know, a cake in front of me. Now, sometimes I find, and I think we all find, that the cake is halfway down your uh, esophagus before you've even started to think about what's happening. Yeah. But there's a choice there. Mm. And it's the capacity to step back from the moment, to step back from the impulse, let's say, and from our habits, that then opens up that possibility of choice. I could eat it. I could not eat it. God. I'm not going to eat it, you know, whatever it might be. And, and on an emotional level, in our relationships and, you know, the way we react to things, that's often where we're least aware of our choices. Yeah. And we get drawn into, you know, ways of relating that we wouldn't really want to engage in had we the capacity to stand back. So for me, that's mindfulness is really about two things. One is learning the, the capacity to calm down and contacting the natural soothing, uh, calming mechanisms that are there in our bodies and our brains. That's one part of it. And the other part of it is using the mental space that that opens up to, to make those choices and to get a perspective on, our, on our, our minds, our life, our experience, our relationships, our emotions, all of those things. And to raise that awareness as well, I think that for me was, was huge, was because before I, I met you, I'd, I'd obviously heard of meditation. I'd never yeah. meditated before. I'd, yeah. I'd used hypnosis, but I'd never meditated before. And um, my view on meditation was very much, Oh, you have to quiet your mind and stop it happening and stop it chattering. And I can't do that. My mind goes a million miles an hour. And that I think was one of the biggest impacts on me from working with you was that it wasn't about that at all. It was about no, it was about paying attention to what was going on in there so that I was more aware of the spaces. I was more aware of the choices. I was more aware of my own thought processes so that I had the power to make those choices. Mm. Um, that's that's what it was for me that which was completely different to what i thought it was going to be which i probably why it blew my head off but yes yes it's still here thank god okay okay so if you could and i know this is probably impossible but i'm going to ask you anyway if you could give us one top tip for a happy life what would your number one top tip be Oh, um, hmm. be interested. Hmm. I like that. Be interested in your experience. Be interested in the world around you. Be interested in other people. 
Cool. Interest means paying attention, but it also means engaging emotionally. And we can choose to take an interest. We can't wait, we, should, we, we needn't wait for interest to come along. Mm. Because it'll probably follow the thing that's shiniest and brightest and loudest. So we need to direct our interest. So be interested. Cool. I like that. That's an interesting, uh, interesting perspective. I like that. <laughs> that's cool. I wasn't expecting that. Thank you. Okay, so if people want to find out more about what you do and how you do it, where do they find you? Well, I've got a web page, Mindfulness in Action. Okay. That's probably the best way to look. Uh, I also have a blog, which is called Wise Attention, and I put my talks and things like that on my blog. Fab. And obviously Radio 4, because you're famous. Radio 4, yeah. um, yes. <laughs> Among the day programme listeners. <laughs> Brilliant. People, uh, some people love Thought for the Day, but a lot of people hate it. I don't know if they hate me, but... Uh, <laughs> I <could> possibly hate <laughs> you. Usually, people complain about bishops waffling on about things that bishops waffle on about. So, yes, um, I try not to do that on Talk of the Day, but... Uh, I'm going to listen and critique. Yes. <laughs> I'll send you my review. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for giving up your time to give us the benefit of your wisdom. And um, we'll see you again in the next interview on The World of Happiness. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening. Now go, do, don't be part of the self-help movement. Go ahead and test this stuff in your own experience. And don't forget to head over and subscribe to this podcast as well so you never miss a bit. Leave a review and click on the fifth star.